You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Along with Rob Weinberg, I am Gary Byron. Rob, hey buddy, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? You know, I'm still over here. I'm trying to hang in there doing the best I can. It's tough. It's a daily struggle. You know what it's like. You know, Absolutely. Every crazy day. times we're living Every in. Every single day. So uh, I've had a lot of inquiries over the last couple of weeks from really just naive and new home buyers buying for the first time, not knowing what to expect, mm. just all over the place. And I sure. thought it'd be really timely, given where we're at with the market and the economy, to handle a lot of the misconceptions, do's and don'ts, and just overall protocol to have a smooth process when you're buying a home. Because so many people seem to either think that it's not going to go well or do things that make it so it doesn't go well. And we need to address that. Well, and we talked a little bit about this. Granted, it was a number of weeks ago, but what not all too long ago. But I, I like the fact that you want to go into some of these misconceptions. What are the main things then um, that people do to, I don't know, maybe like sabotage their home buying mortgage process? Yeah. So when we talked about this before, we focused on refinancing and people that already own a home. I really want to zone in on home buyers and actually the home buying process. So the first thing that people do before they even go in to put an offer or anything like that, I'd say the number one thing that I see is they wait until it's too late to get their lender relationship, to get that pre-approval going. Mm -hmm. They wait until they're actually ready to go out like that weekend and they'll call a lender a day or two beforehand. Hey, I'm ready to get pre-approved thinking that it's going to happen in 24, 48 hours and they're going to be out there right away. God forbid they have an issue with their credit or income and their dreams can just get dashed. So right up front, you got to reach out to a lender before you start looking at houses, before you talk to a real estate agent, get with that trusted mortgage advisor, get with that local professional to get pre-approved and get your issues handled right off the bat. So that's first and foremost. The second thing is once you are actually under contract on a home, you're in a business transaction. You have responsibilities. And a big no-no that I'm seeing a lot of home buyers make that haven't been through the process before is they're just not good at communicating. Mm. They don't respond for hours or days on end when an inquiry comes in. They wait ton tons of time to submit documents that, that are requested. They think it's like a leisurely stroll down the street here. They don't treat it like a business transaction where there's a lot of money involved. Um, they hide things. They think that their lender, their underwriter, the people in the transaction are not going to find out about a bankruptcy they had before, on a previous foreclosure, a credit issue or an income issue. And they hide that with their initial conversation and they wait until it comes up and they get questioned about it to bring it up. That just causes a lot of heartache, a lot of stress, a lot of delays. Um, a huge thing that a lot of home buyers do that they think is okay and it's not is making large deposits in their bank account. So what goes through a home buyer's head is, all right, I'm under contract to buy this home or I'm about to buy a home. 
I need money. And they go to everybody, their family, their friends. They sell things online. They're doing anything they can to fill that bank account, thinking that their lender's just going to look at what's the total balance. No, no, no. That's not how it works. We're looking at at least one, typically two months. And if you're self-employed, three months of your most recent bank statements to see where's money coming from, what deposits are coming in, where's money going. You know, and that all is being factored in. So talk to your lender ahead of time when those large deposits are going to be made into your bank account and be upfront about your income, your job history, your credit history, anything you think might be an issue. The sooner you can bring it up, the better. You know, Rob, that's great advice. Uh, you mentioned something about misconceptions. I want to kind of delve a little bit deeper there. Are there certain misconceptions or myths that people have about the mortgage process when buying a home? There are a lot of misconceptions and myths, and I'll just cover a couple of the most common ones. I think one big one that stops people from reaching out early is they think that it's going to be harder than it is. Being a home buyer is difficult enough in any market, and then you look at today's real estate market where it's a seller's market and buyers are being beat out and there's multiple bids. It's intimidating. A lot of people just think it's going to be harder than it is, so they mentally prepare themselves that it's going to be this painful process, which causes them to put it off, delay it, or not do it at all. And I'm here to tell you, if you have a great real estate pro on your team, if you have a great mortgage advisor holding your hand from the get-go, you have nothing to worry about. We do this every day. We're seasoned, thousands of transactions. Every scenario you can think of, I've seen in my career. And I can really attest to the fact that the sooner we can talk to you, the sooner we can get that strategy, that game plan, the smoother that it's going to be. So that's one big one. Uh, the next thing is the amount of paperwork that's required. So everyone, especially the older generation that bought homes in maybe the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was no electronic signatures. There was no even fax machines at some point. So it's like people feel like because they have heard the horror stories that they're going to have to come up with this Bible worth of paperwork in order to get their mortgage through. And they're going to have to give everything but their blood of their firstborn in order to get the mortgage. And while there is a good amount of paperwork and there is a lot of intrusive financial information that is needed to get a mortgage, a lot of it can be done automatically nowadays. It can be done electronically because of technology. So there's a lot of things that were needed paper-wise years ago that are not needed today. Mm. So it's a lot less intimidating than people make it out to be. You just got to make sure, again, you're dealing with a company, a process, a uh, protocol that embraces that technology. You know, find out from the get-go sure. what technology is being used. And I'm talking about automated employment verifications, asset verifications, things of that nature that can reduce the time and the paperwork that's required. And the last misconception and myth that I want to delve into real quick is just the actual physicality of the real estate process. So people think that they're going to have to go to an office, bring a bunch of paperwork, do a bunch of things in person, and take time off of work, take time out from their family in order to do the mortgage. And I'm telling you right now, you don't need to do that anymore. There's virtual showings. Oh. There's electronic signatures. Most of my clients, I don't even meet anymore. Really? And it's by their choice. I give people the option. Do you want to meet? Do you want to do this online, over the phone? We can use all these electronic means that we can do everything completely remotely now. 
just like many industries are shifting to, the mortgage process had been going that route. Now, due to the pandemic, it's completely shifted. You don't think there's a break? You mentioned the word communication a moment ago. You don't think, though, by doing it that way, there's, there could be a breakdown of communication? And maybe elaborate a little bit more on communication and how that plays mm-hmm. in with, uh, you know, I, I know I would want a stress-free transaction. I would say if there's one big tip to give anyone getting into a real estate transaction, whether it's your first or your 50th, communication Mm. is the key of lowering that stress level. Communication is the key of just making things move in the way that they need to move. Again, this is a business transaction with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes even millions of dollars on the line. So I think the first thing that you need to do as a home buyer is figure out the best method to communicate for you and the other people on your team here. So find out from your realtor, like what are your business hours? When can I be calling you and texting you? When do you answer emails? Are you available on the weekends? You know, and what do you prefer? Do you want me to call you? Do you want me to text you? Do you want an email? What is your best method? And find that out from your realtor, find that out from your lender. So everybody knows. So they need to know from your standpoint during the day, if you're working, let them know, hey, I can't answer my phone before five o'clock. There's no way. I can look at a text though. If you need me during business hours and I'm working, shoot me a text or I can check my email. Let everyone know because if we don't know and we call you at 10 a.m and you're MIA, then all of a sudden when you call back at five, six o'clock at night, well, we might have already moved on to something else. And you really need to make that clear of what is the best way to get in touch with you and communicate with you and respond to inquiries. There's going to be questions, concerns, and issues that come up. Every single deal, it's going to happen. Expect it. But make sure that you as the buyer respond in a reasonable time frame, ideally within a few hours. But again, due to work and family and other obligations, you might not be able to respond till later that day. But I would say reasonably, if you're in the middle of a real estate transaction, make sure you respond within 24 hours. I mean, it's it's absolutely unacceptable yeah. to not respond with that type of thing and help facilitate. If your realtor needs to talk to your attorney and you're talking to the attorney later, help make that connection. Hey, my realtor needs to talk to you about this, that, or the other. Be a connector and embrace this whole process because you as the buyer can really help intermingle the different people involved and make it just a much smoother, more stress-free, easier process for everybody. 24 hours, though, is very, very reasonable. How how do the other parties in the transaction, you know, such as, and we've had them on here before, inspectors, realtors, and attorneys, how do they fit in with having a smooth home buying process? So all these different parties involved in the home buying process, and there's a lot of them, like you said, real estate attorneys, there's typically two realtors. There's a listing realtor and there's the buying realtor. So you have two realtors to work with. You have your mortgage lender. A lot of the time, they're going to have a loan processor that's going to be working with you on gathering documents and things. Obviously, there's appraisers involved, home inspectors, all the other people. So the key is that everybody is on the same page with this communication piece. When you ask your realtor a question, I've had clients tell me, I haven't heard from my realtor in two days. I sent them a house to ask to see it. I haven't heard from them in days absolutely unacceptable. You're going to need to find somebody else. And I'm all about starting your career and doing part-time if needed. But like you said, 24 hours max, it shouldn't be longer than that. And it needs to be from all sides. So if you're dealing with anybody in the transaction, and you'll know this from the beginning, before you go under contract, is your realtor responsive? Are they texting you or emailing? What do they prefer? And how quickly are they getting back to you? If it's not to your liking, if you're not meshing with them, 
get that out of the way up front. Find somebody up front. I've had buyers that have to switch realtors, unfortunately, several times before they find one that they mesh with. And I have people all the time calling me because of my reviews online and my reputation working with home buyers that say, hey, I've dealt with this local bank. I've dealt with a credit union. I dealt with this mortgage broker. They didn't give me the time of day. They didn't give me answers. They blew me off. I need someone that knows what they're doing that will actually take me by the hand and really facilitate this process. You need to find out all these communication styles and where they fit in with you before you go under contract. Because if you go under contract and these are issues with communication, you are going to have a miserable process and you're going to have a horror story. You're going to be telling your kids, your grandkids and everyone about this horrible buying process that you had because of this communication piece. So that's really important. And I'll tell you that one missing link, and I see it all the time, we're like, I'm on board with the realtor. They're on board with me. We're communicating. We're talking. Then all of a sudden the buyer's attorney gets involved (laughs) and the attorney, we can't reach for days. They don't respond to voicemails. I send them an email at 9 a.m. I don't get a response till, you know, 5 p.m. that day or even later. It's like, Mm. are you an attorney? Are you actually doing your job? Do you want this deal to close? One missing link can cause a problem. And I'll tell you the most frustrating one for me is the seller's attorneys. I have seen time and time and time again, the seller's attorneys wait until the 11th hour to give their final adjustments, to give their final okay on, you know, the closing disclosure and their fee and all this. And it's miserable because like the buyer's calling me asking how much money they need for closing. And all I can give them is an estimate. And they're like, well, I'm closing in two days. When am I going to find out? And it's unfortunate. But in this crazy market we're in, I'm finding very, very common that these seller's attorneys are waiting way too long and it's creating stress. So just know that one missing link, while you can't create or manipulate the seller's attorney and who they're going to use, they can use who they want. You want to set that expectation from the get-go with everyone that this is how it's going to be. We're going to make this happen. It's going to be smooth. It's going to be easy for everyone, but it's going to take everybody's effort. That's great advice. Uh, just out of curiosity, let's go the opposite direction. What things should home buyers avoid in order to make sure that they don't have any, let's call them surprises during the mortgage process? This is a really important one here that I want to delve into and really spend some time on because it's actually more important things that you don't do than things that you do. Oh, see, glad I um, So what you want to avoid is, we were uh, mentioning it a few minutes ago, you want to avoid large deposits into your bank account without discussing it with your loan officer or your loan processor first. Typically, large deposits are going to be anything more than 25% of your actual gross income on a monthly basis. So if you make $4,000 a month, a deposit over $1,000 will be scrutinized. It depends on the loan program. Some aren't that particular. Some allow up to 50% of your gross income to be deposited without it coming up. But if you want to be safe on it, know that any deposit more than 25% is going to be questioned. Why? Because the underwriters and the investors of your loan, they don't want you getting money from unapproved sources. And unapproved sources are, they don't want you taking a loan out for your down payment or closing costs if they don't know about it. They don't want you getting money from a friend or someone that's not authorized to give you money that maybe you have a side agreement with. Um, it's just all the money that you're using for the closing, it has to be sourced. We have to know where you're getting it. If it's just from your checking and savings and deposits that you have from your job, like payroll, Mm -hmm. then that's fine. But when you start selling things and getting money from friends and family and all this, there's extra layers of protection and documentation that needs to be 
required and it is required and it's going to come up. So my advice on that is avoid any large deposits. And if you can't avoid it, talk to your loan officer about it. That's why I ask my, all my buyers for their bank statements up front before they're pre-approved. Because by doing that, I'm able to sniff out any of these issues before they even start looking at houses. So that's huge. Another big one, avoid new credit inquiries. Even if you don't take out a credit card, any inquiry at all, if you're at the store and they're giving you 10% off to apply for a credit card, the underwriter is going to see it. They're going to run a final uh, LQI, quality control credit report, before closing. If they see you even inquired <laughs> on anything new, even if you didn't take it out, you're going to have to do an explanation, a letter of explanation on what this is, what happened. God forbid you actually take out a new loan and, and open a credit card or open a car loan or anything. Any single thing that's going to involve your credit and them running your credit is going to get looked at. So you absolutely unequivocally have to avoid that in order to avoid surprises. Another big one is, especially with summertime, it can be uh, a vacationing time of year. People leaving and going away. Don't go on vacation if you're in the middle of buying a home. <laughs> and if you do, make sure you have all your documents, your your uh, laptop, everything that you need with you because we're going to need things through the process. And I've seen it happen both on the buying and selling end where someone will get under contract and then they'll go on vacation to Hawaii or somewhere crazy. I remember recently you even said don't even buy a car when you're in the process of buying one. Even though obviously not. not a brand new one. Even a used car. If you bought it just a, a used car. If if you don't need a loan for it, fine. But if it's something, like I said, where it's going to involve your credit, we're going to find out about it. It could completely derail your home buying process. It might cause your loan to get denied because when we pre-approved you, you didn't have a car payment or you had a $300 car payment. Now, all of a sudden, you traded that in and now you have a $600 car payment. Now you can't buy a car or excuse me. Now you can't buy a, a home. home. So with that said, just avoid the inquiries. Make sure you're available like we were talking about with communication. So if you're going to go on vacation, let everyone know way ahead of time. But I just recommend avoiding it altogether because what if I ask you for a W-2 or something that's back in like your attic that you need back at home and you now can't get that to me for two weeks? That's going to completely derail your process. So just don't do it. It's, it's an easy thing if you can avoid it. Last thing that I'll say about things to avoid is, you know, once you go under contract on a house and you're in the game of buying a home, all of a sudden everyone is your expert, you know, your uncle, your dad, your uh, cousin, <laughs> yep, like yep. every single person you say, hey, I'm buying a home. They tell you about their process of buying a home and who they worked with and what you should and shouldn't do. I know it's enticing to listen, and I'm not telling you not to, but make sure that the people giving you advice once you're buying a home are people that are qualified to give you advice. If your uncle isn't a, isn't a home inspector, he shouldn't be giving you advice on a home inspection. If your cousin's not a realtor, then they shouldn't be talking to you about negotiating when you're buying real estate. Make sure the people giving you advice are qualified. And if you do have you know family or friends that are real estate pros that have been doing it a while, then I'm all about getting that type of advice and help and suggestions. But far often than not, Gary, what I see is people get advice from people that are just talking off the cuff and it means nothing. They're not nothing. professionals. No. So you really want to avoid that. It'll just confuse you and it will stress you out. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can always check out uh, Rob online at www.robgw.com and give him a buzz. Set up a meeting. Very easy to uh, reach. All you got to do is call them at 860-413-3938. I'll go over more of those uh, contact information towards the end of the show. Rob, talk a little bit about conditions 
and that the documents that may be required after the loan has been reviewed by an underwriter. Yeah, so people that don't understand the mortgage process and how it works in the different steps can get a little bit deterred when all of a sudden they find out your loan's approved, but we need all these other documents. You need to realize it's completely normal and customary very rare, especially on a home purchase, that your loan processor is going to submit a full file to underwriting from the get-go. Um, just because of the time that it takes for title searches, appraisals, and questions that come up, it's totally fine when they come back asking for more. They're not doing that because they want to be difficult. They're not doing that because they want something to happen that's going to be negative for you or stress you out. They're doing that because there's questions and concerns that need to be addressed. And Almost all the time, we can address them with documentation. So realize that when that conditional approval comes out, the underwriter saying, we're going to approve your loan as long as you get us these documents or as long as you meet these final conditions. What you want to do as the home buyer is respond to those requests as soon as possible, like we were just mentioning, within 24 hours or less. The great buyers that I work with get me documents in a couple hours. I had a buyer this week, I uh, got their conditional approval. I needed a document for insurance on one of their other properties. Next thing you know, an hour later, I've got the document in my email. That's how we keep this process going. That's how everyone involved stays in tune with the process. They stay motivated, they stay consistent because the communication, it's like a volleyball, back and forth. I ask for something, you get it to me. I ask for something, you get it to me. There's a question, you answer. If we can keep that going, it really makes the process almost fun because as these obstacles are coming up, as these concerns are coming up, we can move to the next step in the process and move along the uh, to the finish line, so to speak. So communicate any delays or concerns as soon as you know about them. If we ask for a document, you know, I'm not going to be able to get that till next week. Oh, I've got that at my mom's house. It's in her basement. I'm not going to see her till the weekend. Let us know. Don't just not respond, say, hey, here's yeah. where it is. Here's what I've got to do. And, and that's a huge thing to, again, go back to communication. The other thing I'll say is when you're providing documentation, provide complete documents. <laughs> Very big one. A lot of people don't realize if they haven't gone through the mortgage process before. When we ask for your bank statement, we need all pages of your bank statement. Even if there's a blank page or one that is just a balancing sheet that you think means nothing, mm -hmm. if it says page one of 12, we need all 12 pages. And if you don't give 12 pages, then we're going to come back and ask for the missing pages. So make it easy from the get-go and get all pages from the beginning. Even one page missing or a bottom of a page cut off or, you know, the bank account number is like missing from the top of the page. These little nuances that you think don't matter can completely derail things and cause us to have delays in your transaction. Uh, the other thing that I'll mention, the last point I want to make about the conditions and the underwriting approval and getting that completed. Understand that the way underwriters work, they will typically not review we have everything that we need at the end. So they'll give that conditional approval in the beginning and they'll say, we need this additional information. So if you send me your bank statement, the underwriter may not look at it right away. 
They want us to submit everything at once so that they can look at it all from A to Z and then come back with questions. How do e-disclosures and e-closing affect the speed of the process and create maybe a quicker process for everyone? I would think it would expedite things greatly. Absolutely. This is huge. And I think most mortgage companies nowadays are finally using e-disclosures at least. So e-disclosures make it so you can electronically sign your loan application and all of the federal and state disclosures that have to be signed. Now, it used to be we had to FedEx you this huge package, hundreds of pages. You'd send it back or come to the office. Nowadays, electronic. Sign it on your phone, tablet, or computer. 5, 10, 15 minutes and you're done. You can ask any questions that you have to your loan officer or processor. It just makes it so easy. We don't have to print this whole ream of paper. And same thing with e-closing. My company has really been embracing e-closing. I'd say like 70% of my clients Mm -hmm. now are doing the Mm e-closing. It means you can electronically sign, again, phone, tablet, or computer most of the documents for your closing. Now, depending on what state you're in and where you are, you may have to sign some in person. In Connecticut, there are several that have to be signed with an attorney for the closing. So even though you can sign maybe 70, 80% of them online, you have to sign some in up front right, well, with the sense. attorney, but it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's good. And it brings the closing process down from an hour to maybe 20, 30 minutes. It's great. Yeah, it, I mean, it does sound convenient. As I was saying, I'm sure it expedites things greatly. What about an appraisal waiver during the purchase transactions? Can they help move things along with your mortgage when when buying your home? They do. And I'm actually super excited about this one because this past week I got the first appraisal waiver I've ever gotten on a home purchase. (laughs) It was a gentleman buying a condo actually down in Florida. I've worked with several times. And I was so excited to see that because I know, as we've discussed, like these appraisals are taking two, three, four weeks. So to get an appraisal waiver... Now we can move along that process. We don't need any appraisal to be done at all. It's only right now available for conventional loans. If you're putting a low down payment, you're 3%, 5% down, you're, you know, I've never heard of one getting an appraisal waiver on that. I don't even think they allow it. This gentleman was putting a large down payment, 25% down. So I think when you're putting that large down payment, and this was a condo, they had other sales in the building, they knew what the property was worth. Fannie Mae came back and said, we're going to waive the appraisal on this. We have enough other comparable sales and data that it's all going to make sense. But you need to realize that a big issue when you're buying a home, especially one that may need work, is like, there might be an issue with the appraisal where it says we need this work done or that work done. When there's an appraisal waiver, that's not going to come up. And that can really delay things when those type of issues come up. Sure. Maybe the seller says, I don't want to do any work. And now you got to negotiate and all this. With the appraisal waiver, that's not going to happen. The negative to it, because it's like there's always pros and cons. The negative to an appraisal waiver on a purchase, which I want to be clear about, is that you as the buyer then don't have validation from the appraiser that the value of the, or excuse me, the price you're paying is the market value, or at least within range of the market value. You don't know that. If they waive the appraisal, then it's basically, yep, the price you're paying is good to go. And there's not really an extra layer of validation. So that's really the only downside I can come up with. And then negotiation. You know, we've talked about how you can use that appraisal as a negotiation tactic during your home buying process. If there's no appraisal done, then there's no negotiations being done because we don't have anything we can go and say, oh, the appraiser said, this has a problem or that has a problem. No appraisal, no negotiation when it comes to that. And obviously, 
obviously they're not going to lower the price if the waiver came in at the price that you're paying. So you can see pros and cons to everything, but it's definitely, I think, a huge advent in technology and something that's really just sped things up because this transaction with the appraisal waiver on a home purchase, Gary, two and a half weeks from beginning to end. Oh, that's wow. phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's only that possible because of the e-disclosures, yeah. the e-closing, the appraisal waivers. Five years ago, forget it. Uh, I'm so glad that we covered all this, all these misconceptions and myths then uh, this morning, because you've I, you've answered, I think, a lot of the little tidbit uh, issues that uh, just kind of flies under the radar more often than not. Folks, if you've got any questions, uh, a couple of things that you can do, I would, I would start out at his website. Go to uh, RobGW.com. Again, RobGW.com. And if you've got a question, maybe you'd like to have answered on these very airwaves. Hey, who knows? Maybe as soon as next week. All you need to do is email Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And to set up that appointment, you know you've been wanting to do it for quite a while. Why put it off any longer? Meet with Rob himself. Give him a call. Set up the appointment at 860-413-3938. Again, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to the Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.